Thank you, Kim. Be sure to keep your Bibles open. We are, um, if you're visiting today, wondering how in the world did we get to that passage, uh, speaking of uh, so many hypocrites and fools and blind men, well, we're studying through the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, we've been going verse by verse, uh, chapter by chapter, and so here we are uh, this morning, here's where we, we find ourselves in the process of going word by word, verse by verse, uh, through this gospel together. So I ask you to keep your Bibles open uh, as, we, as we study this passage together, why absolute truth is so absolutely important. Let's pause for just a minute one more time and ask for the Lord to help us today. Father, we have been blessed already today to be here together. The scripture reminds us that uh, when we assemble together, when the church gathers together, the local body of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, that the fellowship of being here with those that we are united in spirit with the same Lord, same faith, same salvation, that there's a special fellowship, there's a special encouragement to just be here. And then to be able to worship, to freely worship, to publicly worship, to lift our voices to you, to lift our instruments to you, to lift our prayers to you, to lift our offerings to you, that our whole, fa- our whole families might be here and, and, and participate and be involved in the worship of the one true God. It is all a very blessed privilege, a joy. Just a little, a little taste of the glories of eternal bliss, and we thank you for it. And now we come to your precious, divine eternally true word that you have revealed to us, given to us, preserved, and even made possible to be translated in in our own native language. And here we are with Bibles in hand and our Bibles on phone and, and able to read the very word of God, the very words of life. Sometimes those, that word involves a word of correction, a word of warning, a word of instruction, as we certainly see here today. But help us, Father, to not just dismiss this passage because we don't consider ourselves to be Pharisees. We don't consider ourselves to be hypocritical. We are here today because we sincerely, genuinely are seeking you and and so we might think that there's nothing here for us today and, and we would be wrong. Your, your word is always relevant. Your spirit is always working and making application. And so again, help us, Father, to be attentive. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive. May we be moldable in your sight. Complete your perfect will in our hearts today. May your word go forward and may it not return void. 
Guard the speaker, Lord, today, that there would be nothing said, nothing done, that would be distracting, that would be wayward, that would be out of step with the tone and the truth of the passage before us. But most of all, we rely on your spirit to do the teaching today, to make the application, and most of all, to make the change in all of us that we need. So we give you glory for what you will accomplish as you build your church. In Christ's name, amen. Why absolute truth is so absolutely important. So if you recall last week, we looked at verses 1 through 12. And Jesus was warning his disciples and he was warning the crowds that were continuing to listen to him. To not allow the Pharisees to be their spiritual influencers. So after he gives that warning, then he turns his attention to the Pharisees, to the scribes, that is those who were who were to be the perfection perfectionist of the law. And he pronounces seven woes. So we're going to cover the first four in uh, this morning's sermon. He pronounces seven woes against the Pharisees, and and in in so doing, Jesus is explaining why allowing Pharisees to be our spiritual guide, why that would be so eternally detrimental. So any voice or any influence outside of the truth of Scripture would be so eternally detrimental. So when you look through verses 1 through 12 and you think, boy, that's... Jesus is kind of being blunt there. Well, you find out in the following verses why he's so straightforward in warning us to be careful who we allow to spiritually impact us, to spiritually speak into our lives. Why that's so very important. Why absolute truth is so absolutely important. And what are these woes? He says over over and again, but woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, seven times. Well, we know he's not, it's not like telling a horse to slow down or stop, is it? It's not, it's not a command to, hey, pause for a minute. That's not what he's saying. It's not the way woe would be used to signify pity. Woe is me, woe is me. Throwing a pity party, that's not the use of woe here. When Jesus pronounces a woe, it is an act of divine judgment. He is pronouncing judgment. So woe is the opposite of blessed. If you recall back in Matthew chapter 5 verses 3 through 11, we have these nine blessings that Jesus pronounces. We call them the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are you when people persecute you. Jesus is speaking in those beatitudes, he's describing the lives of true believers. And so when he says blessed, he is speaking of then indicating eternal spiritual blessing of the true believer. Well, woe is the opposite. When Jesus pronounces woe, when he uses these seven woe statements, he's describing then the life of an unbeliever, a non-believer. 
And in doing so, then these seven woes indicate eternal ruin and condemnation. So throughout these seven woes, Jesus refers to the religious elites of the day as hypocrites. Hypocrite meaning they, they fail to live, they fail to live the faith that they claim to believe and adhere to. They fail to remember last week, Jesus actually says they don't practice what they preach. They are hypocrites. He also calls them blind guides. Blind guides. So not only are they deceived, but the influence that they have, the the sway that they have over others is, is actually deceiving them too. They are spreading their deception among others. They are blind guides. And he calls them blind fools. This path of darkness that they follow is a foolish path for no matter their no matter their zeal no matter their sincerity no matter their accomplishments all false paths ends in the same place in destruction but i believe there's a broader application for us here as well jesus is teaching in in chapter 23 that that pretending to be a true believer is eternally destructive to you and to those you influence. But in so doing, by extension, he is also teaching that any departure, any departure from absolute truth of the absolute truth of Scripture as revealed by the one true God, and and any deviation from the the absolute true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Any departure is a path of eternal ruin. This entire chapter really confronts our current cultural philosophy. And currently, our culture rejects absolute truth, defines truth as very subjective and and determined individually. So you determine your own truth. You decide what's true for you. And that's why we hear all kinds of cliches and see all kinds of cliches everywhere like follow your own truth, find your own path, be true to you, all these kinds of things. As if as if we individually actually determine ultimate reality. Actually, as if we conform the world around us to our bidding. If everyone has their own truth, then there really is no truth. Think about it. If everyone has their own individual truth, then there really is no truth. That's the taking truth out of the objective realm and placing it in the relative realm. Then truth dissolves into nothing more than a variety of opinions, a variety of preferences, a variety of individual beliefs. All of this which sounds very good in theory... But it becomes impossible to live. And when a worldview becomes impossible to actually live, there's something wrong with the worldview. 
This becomes impossible to live because of the inevitable moral collapse. If everyone chooses and holds to their own individual truth, their own individual path, eventually someone's path is going to endanger me and my family. You and your family. But even more critical than it's impossible to live that theory, even more critical is that your truth, be true to you, be true to yourself, follow your heart, creates a cloud of despair and doubt when you come to the end of life. And you have one looming question. When you come to the very last seconds of this life, and we may come to the last seconds of our life today, it's very possible that, that, that one of us or some of us in this very gathering this morning will not make it home. So what if the very last second, you have a half a second, After the automobile accident, you have a half a second to think this question. What if my truth is not true? And then it's too late. And then it's too late. You say, Pastor, you're just trying to scare us. (laughs) I'm trying to warn you. Absolute truth is absolutely important. And that's why Jesus is confronting this deviation from truth, this departure from the true gospel with such harsh warning. Hypocrite, blind fool, blind guide. Why is he doing that? To stop it. To put up the huge red flags to, so the crowds and the disciples. And even eventually, there'll be a couple of Pharisees that will hear the truth. So first of all, we see in verses 13 through 15, false religion will keep you from heaven. Why is absolute truth so absolutely important? Well, this is the biggest reason, isn't it? False religion will keep you from heaven. And we see this in these first few verses. Now, these verses, verses 13 through 15, contain two woes, but both woes arise from the same error. And they produce the same result. They keep you from heaven. But they apply to two different people. That's why they're two, two different groups of people. So that's why there are two different woes here. But the fundamental error that's the same in both is, is that the list of rules that the Pharisees and scribes have, have created, their list of rules and rituals and obligations which appear, having, having that great system of religion, it appears as spirituality. It appears as having a, 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 an avenue, a connection with God because you have all of these things that you can present. But they're actually nothing more than heavy burdens. 
and impossible obstacles to genuine faith. That that takes us back to verse 4. Remember last week, Jesus says, They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves won't move them with a finger. So that's that's the fundamental error that Christ is addressing in these two woes. And the first woe in verse 13, the first group of people is the spiritually weary and thirsty. Because of these impossible obstacles that their religious system, this facade of spirituality and knowledge of God, has has created these impossible obstacles. Well, the problem with that is that there are truly spiritually weary peoples, spiritually thirsty people who are struggling and looking and waiting to hear the true gospel, to hear the the true message of life in Christ. The the stories are told on the mission field over and over again that groups of people, after hearing and embracing the gospel, report, we've been waiting for years to hear this, to hear the truth. But they are preventing the weary and thirsty from arriving at true life because they've constructed this wall of religion and it's too difficult to climb to those whom life has already worn out who realize that, that they can never be perfect. The weary, thirsty soul longs for answers to life, answers to the questions in his heart, answers to the emptiness in his soul. But looking at that barricade, looking at that maze of of rigorous rule-keeping concludes that if that's the way, I'll never make it. I might as well not even start. I, I can't keep all that. I can't do all that. I don't have the energy for that. I don't, have the, I don't have the capacity for that. I, I, I fail everything I do. I've struggled all my life. I fail at everything. I, I'll never be able to do this. If this is the way to heaven, I'll never get in. It's hopeless. Jesus says they literally shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. The very ones who propose to have the key to heaven are actually shutting the door. And they themselves are actually at the wrong door that they won't enter. That's the one group. In verse 15, Jesus is addressing the same error of this this looming cloud of religious steps and hoops and rule-keeping but he's, re- he's addressing another group with this woe. He's, he's addressing the group that embraces their ideology. This is the group that hears, the, hears this uh, spiritual construction of, oh, if you follow this, if you keep this, if you do this, then, then you will be right with God and know God just like we are right with God and know God. And they fully embrace it. They fully take it on. They, they, they fully adhere to that religious system. They completely buy into it. So much so that their followers go even further than them. One commentator said it this way. These proselytes that are talked about in verse 15, they out-Pharisee the Pharisees. That's a good way to put it. They go beyond 
the religious zeal of the Pharisees and build the wall higher. Make the obstacles more difficult. This group concludes, if keeping these laws, if having this religious system, if putting on this spiritual air is how I enter heaven, then I am determined to be the best rule keeper that this earth has ever seen. Only to find at the end of life that in keeping their list of rules, they neglected to keep the most important commandment of all. And if you've been involved in our Sunday night Bible studies, men and women's Bible studies, I hope you are. We invite you to come tonight. First John says it so clearly, doesn't he? The Father commands us to believe in the Son. To believe in the Son of God. The problem with false religion is that it will keep us from heaven and send us to hell. Whether it distracts us from the true way by building this system or whether it convinces us that it's the true way, the result is the same. A departure from the true path. The truth that false religion leads you away from heaven and into hell doesn't, does not just apply to a false presentation of Christianity. It applies to any false path. That's why I say the broader application is, is really for all of us. Islam, Hinduism, agnosticism, which says we can't know truth. Atheism and naturalism, which says there is no God. Humanism and secularism, which say we are our own paths. And the new trend, which is the nuns, that is N-O-N-E-S, non-religious. I don't believe anything. I don't adhere to any belief system. I'm non-religious at all. I'm not a Christian. I'm not an atheist. I'm nothing. And in the end, all of these have the same result. Shutting the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. False religion will keep you from heaven. Secondly, false religion offers a spirituality without any real substance. What I mean by substance is life-giving, soul-saving, heaven-keeping substance. Verses 16 through 22 these verses deal with the third woe of this passage. And in that, Jesus is confronting the empty shell of, of spirituality. Having a form of godliness without having God. The appearance of, of a great spiritual commitment that is actually a veil that, that hides the fact that there is actually no spiritual commitment. And that's why Jesus, over and over throughout this passage, continues to say, hypocrites, hypocrites, hypocrites. Presenting a presentation of something that you actually internally are not. 
which goes right along with what uh, Martin was saying at the, at the children's sermon about this coming, this coming weekend when so many people will, will dress up as something that they are not. Jesus is saying that's what false religion does. That's what Phariseeism does. It, it dresses up as something that it's actually not. It's a, it's a shell with no substance. And what Jesus is confronting in this passage, it's, it's, a, it's an, uh, kind of an unusual passage for us because we're not used to that kind of cultural context in which the temple and the synagogue were very common in that time. But Jesus is confronting a loophole that the Pharisees have created. This loophole allows the Pharisees to make these large, impressive, public oaths. But internally, they have no plan to keep them. It's a loophole to present a spirituality that's actually empty on the inside. And so for the easy oaths, the things that they kind of as a Pharisee would do naturally, they'll swear by the gold of the temple. Oaths that do not require any effort, but, but they still make it on the list of spiritual accomplishments. So it would be an oath like, I hereby make an oath to the Lord by the gold of the temple that I will be present in the synagogue this Sabbath day. Well, Pharisees are going to do that anyway. But boy, that sounds good to those who, who hear that oath. Wow, look at him. He's, he's making a solid commitment to be at the synagogue. But for those oaths that, that require much sacrifice, that are difficult to keep, and that are especially private, so no one really knows if you keep the oath or not, while those oaths... You can swear by the temple. So maybe like fasting. Oh, I swear by the temple. I place my oath by the temple that I will, I will fast six days this week for the, for the Lord's power. And then you remember Jesus goes on to say, now when you fast, don't, don't make your face, you know, don't make a long face and, and wear clothes like you're worn out from not eating like the Pharisees do to make you think they're fasting. Now, if you have to create a loophole to maintain the appearance of a spirituality that you say you adhere to and you promote to others, that should tell you that your current spiritual path is empty. On the other hand, we might not make loopholes about our spiritual commitments, but we're good at making excuses, aren't we? But a false spiritual path will, will create an inviting, charming, impressive presentation. Here's how you can be spiritual without being spiritual. It's the presentation. It's the, it's the words. It's the trending. It's the oaths. But when you boil down the words, for example, find your own truth and live it. When you boil down those words, it just means do whatever you want to do. Wherever your desires take you, go. 
Whatever you want, go for it. Wherever your heart leads, follow it. That is true freedom, the world says. Just find your path and stay on it. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. And, and, and keep all the negativity, that is all those that are warning you you're on the wrong path. Keep all the negativity. Shut it down. Shut it out. Only welcome those who are applauding and affirming you on the path in which you are following, which is your own path, doing your own thing. That's where you find true freedom and happiness. That sounds good. That sounds freeing. That sounds spiritual. But the fact is that's nothing more than the old shell of sin. Down deep inside where no one sees but God That shell is empty. It doesn't fulfill. It doesn't last. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't save. And that's exactly what Jesus reminds the Pharisees of in verse 22 at the last of this section of Scripture. That false religion doesn't change the fact that God is still on the throne. That God still sees all. I wanted to read an excerpt to demonstrate this point that false religions and false paths that deviate from the true, absolute truth of God and salvation in Christ will leave you empty. And I came across this week this description of a book written by Laura Perry... It's her autobiographical account. And the title of the book is Transgender to Transformed. And the description of the book goes like this. Today's culture is drowning in the lies of the born that way ideology that claims desires and feelings cannot change or be overridden. Transgender to Transform chronicles the story of Laura Perry, a former transgender who believed those same lies and was determined to never return to being female, no matter what it cost her, and cost her it did. Like many who feel trapped in the wrong body, Laura transitioned to the opposite sex through irreversible surgeries, hormone injections, and a legal name change. Yet despite her initial elation, initial elation at living as a male, Her new identity failed to bring her the peace and fulfillment she longed for. Realizing that she was living a lie that was promised to be freedom had instead become a prison cell. Filled with raw, honest emotion, Lori's story sheds light on the common deceptions about the transgender lifestyle and exposes the frustration and hopelessness of living with a self-created identity that is in opposition to who God created. A shell of spirituality 
and knowledge and freedom and truth that is empty, empty. Third, we'll we'll see the fourth woe. False religion offers rules without righteousness. This is verses 23 and 24. Rules without righteousness. Righteousness meaning right standing with God, right living with one another. Righteousness. So in this fourth woe, Jesus confronts how false religions love to go through the motions and go through all the steps and have all the rituals to present a righteousness, to present a right standing with God, a right way of living to, with one another. But it fails in presenting a type of righteousness. It fails to actually be righteous to actually be right with God, to actually live right with one another. Now, the Old Testament did command the tithes of grain, so the Pharisees would make sure people watched as they presented their offerings of mint and dill and cumin. Look at me, look how, look how righteous I am, watch me tithe. But in using religious practice to, to put on a show of righteousness, a false pretense, they, they miss the point of the whole law. They miss the entire thrust of the Old Testament that these scribes were to be experts in. Things like justice and mercy and faithfulness. For if they would have grasped where God was truly pointing them in the law, It would have never placed such heavy burdens. They would have never built such huge obstacles. They would have never showed themselves as being spiritually superior and elite if they would have known justice and mercy and faithfulness. It's not that tithing doesn't mean anything. Jesus said, you should have kept the latter and the former. Right standing before God, righteousness is is not, listen to this, is not determined by who people think you are, but by who you truly are. Did you hear that? Right standing with God is not determined by who people think you are. It's determined by who you truly are. That gets past the shell. That gets past the outward appearance into the heart. That gets to where God dwells. And we are truly sinners apart from faith in Christ. But once the righteousness, once we have embraced Christ as our Lord and Savior and His righteousness has been credited to us and and placed upon us, the, the salvation of God, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit begins to do a work on the inside of us to transform us. 
So that rather than pursuing things like self and pleasure and sin and the world and and these false ways and false ideologies and these false freedoms, rather than pursuing all of these things, we begin to do wild and crazy and and otherworldly things like justice and mercy and faithfulness and graciousness and humility and forgiveness and self-denial and taking up a cross and serving others and it just looks like an entirely different creature so much so that the bible says if you're in christ you're a new creation old things have passed away all things have become new you see false religions offer you rules False systems offer you steps. Christ offers you a new heart, a new life, and a brand new eternal hope. The conclusion is absolute truth is absolutely important for how you live your life now. And where we will spend eternity. Let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you. You have not left us without truth. You have not left us without light. You have not left us without your word. There are so many voices, both outside of us and the old self sometimes even inside of us that distract, that impact, that sway us one way or the other. But, Father, your word is the solid rock, the the foundation, the anchor. The gospel of Christ, the truth of the word of God, the indwelling of the spirit of God, These are the things, Father, that that bring us to faith, that hold us in the faith, that help us to navigate living the faith in a world that denies the faith. So, Father, we come before you as as your people today, and we ask you to help us. Help us, Father, to to remove the, the... the influences and the voices and, and the, the ungodly and the unworldly, the, un, the unchristlike, the anti-gospel philosophies that, that we've just adopted because this is the pool in which we swim. We, we live in this world and sometimes it gets on us and sometimes it gets in us. So we often find ourselves, Lord, when we come before your word, it, it, it's like a mirror. It, it, it's like, it, it shows us who we are. It's like a light. It, it exposes. And, and we often have to come to you, Lord, and just say, For, forgive me and, and help me and increase my faith and increase my knowledge of truth and, and help me to live this truth and share this truth and not be blind and not be a blind guide. So we as your people, Father, that's our desire. And, and, and then if we are gathered and we are apart from Christ, 
We, we've, we've, been list, we've been listening to other voices. We've been listening to other spiritual influences. But today, the Holy Spirit, the true spiritual influence, has spoken to us and has shown us the Son and our need for a Savior. So I pray, Father, that if we've heard that voice, that we need Jesus today. If you have spoken to our hearts and it is clear that we are sinners in need of a Savior and Christ is our hope, that today would be the day that we embrace him with our, with our whole life. Father, we ask you one more time this day that you would be pleased with the work that you accomplish in our lives. Help us to obediently, faithfully respond. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens, pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the missions branch, P67 Missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.